0: Yeah. So an easy place to start would be removing the three top inflammatory foods. So that'd be gluten. So that's your wheat products. Uh, Dairy would be number two and then sugar would be number three. So if you take out those three foods alone for 30 days, you're going to you're going to feel better. No matter no matter who you are, no matter what you're Mm -hmm. suffering from, you're going to feel better um, because those do create a ton of inflammation. So that's a good, easy place to start. Um, and, and when you take those foods away, some of the things look out for, obviously from a digestive standpoint, you know, less gas, less bloating, better regular bowel habits. Um, when you take the gluten out, you probably notice more neurological stuff. So maybe better thinking, um, less brain fog, less headaches, uh, maybe even some sinus issues might clear up. So those, those, yeah. and then the sugar too, you know, the sugar is a big one for like sinus issues, um, brain fog, neurological stuff. So. When you take away those three foods, like I said, you're going to feel better no matter who you are, no matter what you're suffering with.
1: We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian-Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who make changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Hey, this is Aneta. I'm so excited about this week's episode with Dr. Marcus Srelli. We um, talked about so many things that we could each be doing to improve our optimal health. Dr. Sorelli is a functional medicine doctor. He has extensive training and education in clinical nutrition. He is a chiropractor. He's also a certified gluten expert. And he's someone who's actually employed all of these holistic medicine in order to improve his own health. And he loves getting to the root cause of what's ailing his patients. We talk about everything from how to cure gut health. We talk about the common illnesses and ailments that we are starting to experience, where we can find common toxins in our environment, ways to illuminate it. He shares a lot about things that we can do right now in terms of nutrition or other lifestyle changes that we can make to start to live healthier lives and also start to feel better if you are dealing with any health issues or are decided that you are ready to start making some changes, you won't want to miss today's episode. Take a listen. Dr. Sorelli, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. So I'm excited for this.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. I've wanted to have you on for a long time. I follow everything you do on Instagram. I love all the content that you provide. And I know that folks are going to get so much value from what we cover today. Good. So yeah, maybe for there. those that don't, <laughs> for those that don't know you, share just a little bit about your background. Yeah, so
0: my background is actually in chiropractic medicine. Um, I went to school at Life University, which is down in Atlanta. Um, that it's probably the most holistic chiropractic school you can go to. So um, I was exposed to a lot of different healing modalities, and you know, people walking barefoot around campus, and um, all kinds of. <laughs> supplements, things like that. So, and I'd always had a background and, um, an interest in those things. Um, so chiropractic school kind of opened up my mind a little bit more. And then when I graduated, I came back up to Cleveland, took a job in Brexville, um, went to private practice. Um, and started to help people and it was good because like, you know, you're helping people for what they come into you for, but there's so many other things that I was realizing that people were missing, whether it was diet or lifestyle or, you know, stress in their lives so that a lot of these things were, you know, a lot of their problems were caused by this. So, um, I was looking for something a little bit different, something else to add into my practice. So I could help uh, my patients a little bit further. Um, that's when I found functional medicine. I went and saw a, a lecture given by Dr. Mark Hyman. A lot of people know that name nowadays. Um, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: he lectured about functional medicine is my first time healing that hearing that. And um, that kind of opened, opened up my eyes like, Hey, this is how I want to practice. Um, so I went and I got a couple certifications of functional medicine. Um, so now I see people for both chiropractic and functional medicine, but um, more gearing towards a functional medicine and helping people, um, you know, improve their lifestyles, improve their diet, get to the root cause of what their problems are to begin with.
1: Yeah, gosh, well, of course, Dr. Mark Hyman has sort of brought functional medicine um, to the mainstream for those that weren't necessarily that familiar. But for those that don't have a background, like how would you help describe the difference between functional medicine and maybe Western medicine?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So i kind of like to use like the analogy so say you went to your medical doctor right and you had high blood pressure 99 percent of the time your medical doctor is going to give you a medication to help lower that blood pressure if somebody came to me for high blood pressure i'd be looking at what's your diet like uh, what are you eating what are you not eating is there nutritional deficiencies mm-hmm. how much stress is your body under um, how is that impacting that are you sleeping correctly Are you being exposed to a lot of toxins? So I always like to dive a little bit deeper. That's kind of how I describe functional medicine. We're actually looking for the root cause of why these problems are happening to begin with. Not just, hey, let's give you medication. Let's put a Band-Aid on it. um, But really find those mechanisms of why the body's breaking down and why these side effects are happening to begin with.
1: Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Now, do you find um, that since you started practicing functional medicine, do you feel like more people are coming to you um, before they see their doctors, or do you find that they go to their doctors, don't necessarily get an answer, and then they're coming to you to figure out the root cause?
0: Yeah. Most of the times people have been to three, four other doctors before they come to my office. Um, so they tried medication or maybe surgery or, you know, maybe some lifestyle changes, but not enough. So most of the time people walk in, there's the people who've kind of exhausted all their options at this point, um, looking for something a little bit different that they haven't had before.
1: Okay. And are there top three or five things that people typically are coming to you? Like, are there certain things that are just more common right now in our society?
0: Yeah. Um, gut issues are the, the number one thing I see people for. So whether that's IBS or you know constipation, diarrhea, um, acid reflux, bloating, um, inability to handle certain foods, food sensitivities. So that that's by far number one, uh, what I see people for. Um, number two, I would say it would be autoimmune diseases, which are just kind of on the rise right now in America. Um, yeah. and they're growing, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, autoimmune would be number two. So whether that's, you know, diabetes or lupus or, I mean, there's, gosh, the li- there's hundreds of them. So the list is pretty huge. Um, so that'd be probably number two. And then there's a lot of people who do come in that are just looking for, you know, optimal health wellness. Um, you know, I saw a patient just before we hopped on this call here, who's just, Felt pretty good. Diet was pretty good, but just wanted to see. Hey, do I am I eating the right stuff? Can I add some stuff in? Can I take away some supplements? Mm-hmm. Um, so I like those patients. Those are the fun ones um, that don't come in that are <laughs> and have a million problems going on. Um, but those are the fun ones too. The ones that do give you challenges and they're, they're always fun to figure out what is going on here. Why are these people having these problems to begin with?
1: Yeah, gut health is so common, and I know myself when if there's something going on with my gut, I just don't feel right overall, right? It impacts my ability to think. Sometimes I have foggy um, brain. And, and so um, what would you say are some of the things you would do with someone who comes in experiencing maybe some gut issues? Like what are some of the things that you typically do, either asking them questions or are there tests that can be done?
0: Yeah. The first thing I always look at is, is their diet. You know, what are you eating? You know, most of the times a lot of these gut issues are driven by processed foods, inflammatory foods, um, things that didn't even exist, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago um, that are man made in the lab. So a lot of it comes down to food, what people are eating. Um, sometimes it's, you know, past history of antibiotic use, which destroys a lot of that good bacteria in the gut mm-hmm. uh, that can cause yeah. major shifts. So that can affect the brain and, and um, thinking. So like you said, the, the fogginess or the brain fog um anxiety depression can be affected by that gut bacteria um so we're looking at you know what kind of history do you have with antibiotics um also looking at just organ function so is the liver gallbladder pancreas working the right way is the stomach working the right way is there anything bad in there like parasites or pathogens so any history of you know foreign travel maybe you pick something up when you went to mexico Mm -hmm. and didn't realize it and brought it back um so I use a comprehensive stool analysis, which is a test that looks at all those things, uh, looks at the balance of the bacteria, all the organ functions, um, looks at anything weird like parasites, pathogens, fungus, disease. Um, that kind of gives me a picture, at least gives me a starting point to say, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we can do from a natural standpoint to help fix some of these things. Um, so no drugs, no medications. We're using you know, herbal products, supplements, um, lifestyle changes, kind of put your body back into that healing state.
1: Wow. And so when someone comes to you and say they do have maybe some gut issues and you work through with them, like how how long does it take before you can start to feel better? Is this like a long process or can you start to see some benefits right away with making some um, some easy changes?
0: Sure. Um, most of the time, I mean, you'd be surprised, right? I mean, it depends on how long somebody's had issues for um the gut is one of those areas in the body that can regenerate pretty quickly as long as you take away those stressors that are causing the damage to begin with um so most of the times people do notice a change whether it's you know less bloating less gas things like that within the first month um now again if somebody's had digestive issues for four decades it might take a little bit longer than that um but people do notice a change pretty quickly in terms of know, better bowel movements, less bloating, less gas, um, able to digest food a little bit better. So it comes down to case by case basis, because everybody is different. But I would say with in at least a month, you should know some kind of change um, in terms of symptoms.
1: Yeah. Isn't it crazy when you said, and I know you're kind of maybe half joking about four decades, but there are probably people who live a majority of their life just not feeling good. Like, oh, have we, do you think that as a society, we forgot that it's not natural to not feel good in our body.
0: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think we kind of like <laughs> <laughs> almost make it to the point now where it's, it's, we normalize not feeling good because so many people don't feel good. Um, yeah. Which is not, I mean, it's, it's not normal to have these things. It's not normal to have gas and bloating and brain fog and fatigue and skin issues and all that. That's, that's not normal. But, you know, so many people do have these things that it has become the norm, which is kind of scary to a sense.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Um, I, I think of, you know, sometimes I know I don't do well with cheese. And I think the it's like 75% of the American population has is lactose intolerant or probably has some symptoms when they eat dairy. But, you know, a good charcuterie board and it uh, just tastes so good, right? <laughs> so we put ourselves sometimes in these situations where you know you're not going to feel good. But I think the point is that if you know something doesn't agree with you, you know, how do you start to identify what might be the culprit? Like say they hate, they don't come to you, but they're like, gosh, maybe my stomach doesn't feel great after I eat. Like what should people start to look for in terms of um, making some adjustments just on their own?
0: Yeah. So an easy place to start would be removing the three top inflammatory foods. So that'd be gluten. So that's your wheat products. Uh, Dairy would be number two and then sugar would be number three. So if you take out those three foods alone for thirty days, you're gonna you're gonna feel better. No matter no matter who you are, no matter what you're mm-hmm. suffering from, you're gonna feel better because um, those do create a ton of inflammation. So that's a good easy place to start. Um, and, and when you take those foods away, some of the things to look out for obviously from a digestive standpoint. You know, less gas, less bloating, better regular bowel habits. Um, when you take the gluten out, you probably notice more neurological stuff. So maybe better thinking, um, less brain fog, less headaches. Um, maybe even some sinus issues might clear up. So those, those, yeah. and then the sugar too, you know, the sugar is a big one for like sinus issues, um, brain fog, neurological stuff. So when you take away those three foods, like I said, you, you're going to feel better no matter who you are, no matter what you're suffering with. Um, so that's an easy mm-hmm. place to start. Um, if you want to do it from a dietary standpoint, a lot of people are chronically dehydrated too. So I always say, Hey, how much water are you drinking? Um, you know, coffee doesn't count. Water tea doesn't count as water, so it doesn't count as water. So yeah, um, that's another thing. Make, making sure you're you're getting the water in on a daily basis. So two easy things: oh, remove gosh. some bad foods and add some water in.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're gonna upset a lot of people who are counting their coffee and is their hydration. <laughs> <I
0: don't know.
1: laughs> it's so one of the things I noticed, and so we have a lot of gluten um insensitivity in our family, um, my daughters and me, and especially in the states, but. When I go to Europe and I just notice that I can consume maybe a croissant or some bread or some crostini it I just don't feel the same when I consume wheat just wheat overall in um in foreign countries as compared to the state. So can you explain a little bit maybe like is it the way we're producing the wheat or what is it more gluten in our wheat contents like what what's causing some of these challenges for us?
0: Yeah, so there's two two big things. Um one is something called glyphosate or Roundup. So you probably heard of Roundup before, which is the the chemical they mm-hmm. spray on. Yep. So what they do in America, and glyphosate's banned in Europe. So you're not allowed to use it. You can't spray it on, on any kind of produce or or any kind of wheat products. Um of course here in America we allow that to happen. Um so what that does is actually they spray it on the wheat right before they harvest it. And it basically freaks out the plant, thinks it's dying, so it releases more gluten. So we actually have more gluten here in our wheat products than you would have over somewhere in Europe. Um, and then the other big difference is that the wheat we use here is different from the wheat we use or that's used over in Europe. So in Europe, they use some called old wheat. Um, here we use a hybridized version that's called new wheat, um, which is harder for us to digest, harder for us to break down. Our bodies aren't used to having that. So that's the other big kind of difference between um, things here in America and things in Europe. Um, I just got back from Italy and I could eat pasta and pizza and it did not bother me here. If I did that in America or it didn't bother me there, if I did that in America, it would just destroy my wow. gut and I would not feel good. So there is a huge difference. and A lot of people notice that when they go over to foreign countries, Hey, I can mm-hmm. eat this. I can eat that here in America.
1: It's so true. And I actually always feel like I I eat maybe a little bit more, or I sample more foods that I wouldn't necessarily consume here on a regular basis. And I always feel better and I lose weight. And if people are like, oh, you're walking a lot. No, I walk here, you know. And it's, is it, you know, what else happens when you have less inflammation from the food? How does that tie into things like weight loss or allowing your body to just function properly?
0: Yep. So the more inflamed you are, the more weight you hold on to. Um, Toxins are stored and then toxins are stored to your fat cells. So the more inflammation you have, the more weight you hold on to, the more toxins you have. The more toxins you have, the more mm-hmm. sick you become. Um, so again, kind of going back to like what's banned in other countries compared to here, a lot of those things
1: yeah.
0: we're not allowed to have here. Or, 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 or sorry, we're not allowed, we have here that we're, that we're not allowed to have over there. So that does yeah. play a big role. So yeah, the walking helps, but it's a lot of those chemicals you're not being exposed to when you're on vacation as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, my man, such a good point. So you were just in Italy and I'm sure you had a great time sampling all the delicious food. It's one of my favorite places to go. So what else did you notice about um, just the lifestyle and um, in Italy versus compared to here, things that you wish that we were able to incorporate more of in the States?
0: Stress reduction. Absolutely. I mean, that was, there's, mm. it's like time doesn't exist over there. It seems like um, <laughs> nobody's Nobody's in a hurry. You know, a a dinner is a three hour event. Um, It's not like, Hey, I'm going to scarf something down and get back to work. Work kind of takes the back seat. It's more about living life, which I think we need a lot more of that here. Um, It it just, yeah, the stress is probably the biggest thing, Um, you know, and and on top of that, people walk a lot more, you know, they're not getting in their car to drive, you know, down to the grocery store. They're going to walk down the grocery store. Um, yeah. there are a lot of people who are stopping at the market that day and buying their produce and their, their meat to cook it that night. So a lot of it's more fresh. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just, yeah, stress. Nobody it, work is a priority, but it's not like how we make it here. We're not stressed out about it and one mm-hmm. event to, to the next. Um, it's a lot more relaxed, chilled lifestyle, which again, <laughs> Americans need that, especially nowadays.
1: Oh, for sure. So what are some of the things that you're going to incorporate in your own life? You know, um, because you you did come back. So (laughs) it's good to have you back in the States. You can't we can't stay over there necessarily. But what are some of the things that um, you're going to try to do just to make sure that you hold on to that?
0: Um, I think so. Dinner to me, I mean, dinner to me has always been an important thing. It's something like growing up as a kid, we've always sat down as a family and, and, you know, but. Grown up too, you also had sporting events and I, I'm the youngest of five boys. So one brother had this, another brother had this. So to me, it's just like slowing down, taking your time, um, you know, yeah. being around loved ones and, and friends and family. I got, I got to see some friends when I was over there, which was nice too. Um, so yeah, just the biggest thing I think is just slowing down, appreciating your food. Um, I already eat pretty clean and organic anyways, but just making sure my food sources are good. I know exactly where things are coming from. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just kind of slowing down, appreciating life a little bit more, yeah. not being on, not being in a rush to go to the next thing or the next event or, you know, feel pressure to do something we you don't want to.
1: Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, of course, stress is tied to so many chronic illnesses and and um, cause of us not necessarily feeling well, a lot of mental health issues. Um, but you mentioned something a couple of times about toxins. So um, we know that toxins are around us and we know about pesticides, probably most common, but what are some of the things that um, are maybe hidden that we're not necessarily aware of that we're exposed to on a daily basis?
0: Yeah. Um, so from a female standpoint, definitely cosmetics. That's one of the mm-hmm. worst industries. Um, now, the reason for that is it's kind of similar. To what we talked about earlier. A, a lot of those cosmetics are banned in other countries we allow here in America. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but I think there's over a hundred and I think it's 184 different chemicals that are banned in cosmetics in Europe that we allow here in in America. So it's a huge number. Um, and Mm. those, those cosmetics, they're linked from anything to messing with your hormones to increasing your risk of cancer, um, autoimmune diseases. So that's definitely one big hidden source that people often miss and don't look at, um. And I would even put just makeup in there, too. You know, we're talking about deodorants. Um, Even some toothpaste can be pretty toxic. Um, So that's I mean, that's probably one of the hidden sources that people often don't look at. Um, Mm -hmm. Water is another one. You know, we should be drinking plenty of water on a daily basis. Um, If you look at different studies out there through different major cities, I mean, they're finding... Anything from cocaine and heroin in the water system to birth control pills, antibiotics, to all kinds of different drugs. Um, So that's the thing I always tell people, you know, getting a good water filter is a good place to start. That will help clean things up, especially if you're drinking plenty of water, which you should be. Um, You want to make sure you're not being exposed Mm -hmm. to all those things.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I will be sure to include in the show notes um, some of these places that we can either purchase some of these things that you're talking about, or if there's websites. Are there websites that make it easy for us to determine if um, something has clean chemicals versus if it's banned somewhere else?
0: Yeah. Um, the Environmental Working Group has a website. Um, it's ewg.com slash skin deep. So it's really cool because you can okay. actually plug it, plug in any kind of cosmetic that you have it'll exactly show you the ingredients that are in there, what they lead to, how bad it is for you. And they'll actually give you a safer, like, recommendation. So you can kind of flip the – find a cleaner product that'll help kind of take some of those toxins out of your system. Um, And then there's an app you can download on your phone, too. Um, It's called Think Dirty. Um, And literally, you can scan a barcode on a product, and it'll show you exactly what's in it and then how toxic it is for your body, too. And then, again, it'll give you uh, an alternative recommendation that's a little bit cleaner. Um, So those are – two kind of good sources that I recommend for any kind of cosmetics or beauty products, anything
1: like that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's so much to consider and to think about. (laughs) And there's also like a little bit, you know, it can feel overwhelming. So I'm sure that um, I'm thinking about my own makeup bag, right? And I don't think about those things. I don't necessarily, I can't read the ingredients you're assuming if you're purchasing it at a reputable store that it's okay to be used, but um, there are probably things that say that they're clean and maybe they aren't, you know, cause I, I try to make some of those purchases, but, um, I'll be sure to absolutely take a look at that link. Um, so you guys have that, it a little bit easier.
0: <laughs> yeah. Us guys have a, yes, a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can totally go down a rabbit hole with those things too. I mean, you could, you could, right. you could spend hours and hours looking at stuff. Um, it's always, so you know, start, start slow, you know, pick, pick the products yeah. that you use the most, whether it's you know, a foundation or a makeup or a um, lipstick, something like that, enter those first and see, and then slowly start to, Mm -hmm. you know, make some swaps or some cleaner products. If you do too much too quick, you're going to go crazy. So nobody wants that.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, (laughs) it'll be interesting. Um, So we talked about toxins and gut health. What, and um, so what about food? So um, we often hear sometimes there's a debate between organic, not organic, you know, what is what are some tips that we can look at making sure that we are buying the freshest best ingredients? Um, do you recommend going to farmers' markets? What are some of the things that people can do um, to to make a difference in their food supply?
0: Yeah, uh, shopping local is one of the best things you can do um, so whether you have a local farmer or a local rancher, um, somebody who raises your meat you know that way you know at least where it's coming from and you can you know you can communicate with that person to hey. What did you spray on this? Is there any kind of toxins or chemicals, um, herbicides, pesticides? Mm -hmm. You know, how is this meat raised? You know, did you use any kind of special antibiotics on on that cow or whatever it is? Um, So I think it's important to have somebody that you can know and trust that's local. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When it comes down to, you know, pesticides, herbicides, there's something called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. Um, So the clean 15 is the 15 fruits and vegetables that have the least amount of pesticides on them. And then the dirty dozen are the 15 most, wait, sorry, clean 15. <laughs> I said that backwards. The clean 15 are okay. 15 fruits and vegetables that have the least amount of pesticides. And then the dirty dozen are um, 12 different fruits and vegetables that have the most amount of pesticides on them. So we okay. can actually pull that up. It, it changes year to year, but it's pretty similar from year to year. Um, and I always tell people too, the thinner the skin on a fruit or vegetable Uh, usually means that it's going to absorb more toxins and pesticides. So like a blueberry or an apple or strawberry, something like that has a real thin skin. Those are things that you want to try Mm -hmm. to buy organic if you can. Um, and there is more and more research coming out now showing that, hey, these herbicides pesticides, they're not good for us in our bodies.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Um, So that's good. Yeah, we'll absolutely take a look at that. I've looked at that before and it definitely has helped inform how I shop. I mean, I try to buy organic as much as I can and I feel like it's much more available right now at many places where we shop. Um, So I have to ask you, because some of the things that you post on Instagram are about very interesting um, food prep. So Talk a little bit about organ meat. I know that there's this resurgence in organ meat consumption. Now, I grew up with it because we didn't waste anything, but um, I see more functional medicine doctors and others in the industry talking about liver and talking about tongue and talking about other organs. So what's the benefit of eating organ meat, and how do you find the organ meat that is good quality?
0: Yep. So organ meat is the richest source of – any kind of vitamins, minerals, it's going to be, you know, out of all the meats, the organ meat is definitely the richest source there. So when you talk about liver, you know, you can't get much more B vitamins than liver. Um, that's the best source. Um, you know, things like heart contain CoQ10, which is hard to find in other, other, um, Mm -hmm. or really any kind of food, especially meat. Um, I call liver the multivitamin because it literally contains pretty much everything you would need. Um so if you're looking to get off a of multivitamin, you want to take something else or eat something else yeah. in the process, the liver is the perfect thing. Um, tongue's an interesting one. A lot of people don't like tongue just because of the what it is. So <laughs> if you cut it up and you don't use the texture,
1: you, it's a little yeah. rough. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. you peel that outer membrane off. people get a little grossed out by that. so um, but yeah, I mean tongue's another one that contains a ton of nutrients, um, things that are hard to find in the muscle meat and then and then other foods. Um, so when it comes down to like finding a clean source, you definitely with any kind of organ, you would definitely want to get that from a grass fed animal. Um, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes down to like liver and the heart, because those things do have some toxins in them. Um, not a large extent, but the more pesticides, herbicides that that cow eats, the more antibiotics that that cow gets, those are going to be stored in some of those organs. So the less you can reduce that, the better it's going to be for your overall health. Um, And that's kind of going back to like your question earlier, you know, finding a a local rancher or somebody who raises cows or um, even like lamb, anything like that. You'll know exactly what goes into there. They'll tell you what's on it. So as long as they should be honest Mm -hmm. about it. um, So, you know, you're getting
1: something nice and clean. Okay. And so um, what about local butchers or some local butchers? Do they have good content in terms of meat and grass fed?
0: Yeah, you're you're seeing a lot more. like local butchers coming up. I, I mean, at least I'm seeing that mm-hmm. um, in Cleveland here. There's a couple of good ones. Um, Ohio City Provisions. That's where I like to go mm-hmm. to. Um, Farmers Rail is another good one. They have a couple of locations. Um, but yeah, you are seeing more and more of that. You get down to Amish country. It's how most of that meat's raised is organic and you know pasture raised. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing more butchers down there, and you can find find those things. The crazy thing about it too is like it's such a cheap cut of meat. Most people don't want it, so Sometimes you can get mm-hmm. these meats for one, $2 a pound, um, which with oh. meat prices the way they are now, it's super cheap compared to the, the actual muscle meat. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's super cheap, it's nutritious for you. And if you cook it right, it does taste good.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love liver. So like what size portion do you need to eat? Should be you be eating this daily? Like do you eat liver and other organ meats daily or is it a couple times a week?
0: Yeah, liver can get. So, there is a lot of vitamin A in liver. Um, If you do have too much vitamin A, that can get a little toxic. So, if you are going to eat liver on a regular basis, I always recommend like two, three times a week. Um, That way, there is no toxic issues that happen to where you cause any kind of problems. Mm -hmm. The rest of those, though, like your heart and your tongue, um, there's no limitations when it comes to that. You could eat those
1: daily and not have any problems there. Okay, interesting. All right. Well, you hear it first. Here, <laughs> I think everyone's going to go out and grab some stuff. We see all that. Like, I think that, um, it, you know, growing up, my family's from former Yugoslavia. We, every time they would um, get something from the farm or back home, they would always, you know, slaughter an animal and you just saved everything. And I remember eating all of that and everything was prepared so great. But I think that then coming to the States, it was like, it's not something I necessarily talk to people about at school, like, yeah, we had liver and gizzards and heart and you know, but it's interesting to see that that's coming back now as a resurgence. Um and uh because it really is good food. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah. even kind of going back like we were in Italy, we I had, you know, I had intestines, that was one of the things I ate. And um we had yeah. heart one day and and cow or cow tongue was on the menu. So it, it is a lot more common in, in other countries. Um, I think we're squeamish here. We don't like trying new things. Um, but yeah, it is something that you and other countries, it, it, it's a primary calorie source for a lot of people.
1: Right. Yeah. So, um, if someone wants to work with you and what is the best way that they would reach out to you or how would they learn more to even decide whether, you know, they should be considering functional medicine doctor.
0: Yeah. Um. I have a so I have a blog on my website, so I usually post about certain conditions, um, common ones that people have. Um, also, I'm pretty active on social media too. Which I try to put out as much content out there as I can in terms, kind of same things, certain conditions, um, things to look out for, signs and symptoms that things are going wrong in the body. Um, so my website, you can check me out there. It's www.tbhfunctionalmedicine.com, um, and then my um, name on social media is oh gosh at drmarcusarelli.com. or dot com, is that Dr. Um <laughs> That's also somewhere you can find me too. So I think that's there's so many different functional medicine doctors out there now. It's becoming more mainstream that you can find a lot of people that are talking yeah. about these things. Um, and holistic health in general just kind of exploding. Um, people don't want the yeah. Band-Aid solution anymore. They, wanna, they don't want to be on medication. So they're looking for alternative sources of healing and modalities to kind of get them better.
1: Mm hmm. That's so good. And we'll include all that in the show notes. So um, one of the things that that I love to talk to my clients about is the blue zones, right? Because people want to live a really good quality life. They want longevity, they don't want to just be barely surviving, they want to be thriving in their life and to live long active lives. So I know that we talked about a couple of things, the stress reduction, we talked a little bit about food. But Let's talk about some of the other things that, in addition to that, from a functional or optimal health perspective, you know, the sense of purpose in life and a strong community. So, um, is that something that you talk to your clients about as well? Like, go beyond the nutrition and talk about some of the other things they could be doing to um, maybe reduce their stress or just to create this greater sense of purpose in their life.
0: Yeah, I think everybody needs a community. You know, like-minded people. You know, people who make you laugh. People who you know pick you up. Um, I think too many people stick around people for the wrong reasons, whether they're old friends and then they bring too much stress and drama into their lives. Um, so yeah, I think finding the right people to be around is a huge component to health. Um, and that even goes to yeah. the spouses too. You know, if you have a bad spouse, you know, I, I work with a lot of male and female clients, but uh, a lot, of, lot more female clients. Um, guys don't like coming in until they're absolutely broken and they can't function anymore. Um, but <laughs> The female client, it's sometimes it's challenging because, you know, they want to make these changes in their lives and their husband not, might might not be on board, which makes it a lot more challenging mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, making diet changes or working on stress. So um, I think if you are going to try to go on any kind of healing journey, it is important to have not only a practitioner supporting you, but somebody else there, too, yeah. um, that's in your corner that you can you know, rely to because sometimes healing is tough. You have to go through some stuff that you've been through in the past, and uh, it can be challenging. So Having somebody there. It's good. Um, You know, having people who've gone through something similar to that is huge too. Um, But yeah, I I think community is uh, something that's often missed in the world today. Um, I think part of that's technology. We're we're so in our zone when it comes to technology, you know, people don't pick up the phone anymore and call anybody. It's always a text message or, you know, they don't just drop in to see people anymore. It's always a phone call. So why not actually go spend some time with them human connection is, is huge. And again, it's, I think it's often missed when it comes to any kind of healing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So what are, what encourages you? So you work with clients, you get to see people and you're obviously helping them on their healing journey, but is there anything more at a macro level or globally that is encouraging you right now um, in terms of people seeking healing or seeking to take control of their own personal health? Yeah, I, it,
0: that's that's a yeah, that's a good question. Um you walk around and you see people that are just sick everywhere you go, right? I mean, look at look at the numbers, you know, one out of every three Americans is obese, two out of every three Americans overweight. So yeah. that right there is something that we have direct control over that. And it comes down to your diet and your lifestyle and what you're doing on a daily basis. Um you know, the medical bills are not getting any cheaper. You know, we spend so much yeah. money on medical compared to other countries. It's kind of insane. So mm-hmm. if, if we can reduce some of that burden by, you know, living healthier, eating healthier, um, that's part of what drives me. I want to inform people that hey, you don't have to be sick. You don't have to feel this way. Um, this is not normal to have these signs and symptoms, Something's something's going wrong in the body. So I, I think especially here in America, you know, we need to open up a little bit more open up our eyes and figure out you know, what's going on. Um, so that's one of the things that drives me. I, I think it's just people being sick and, and there's solutions out there that a, a lot of doctors don't talk about because it doesn't make money. And if it doesn't make money, then yeah. they're not going to talk about it. Um, you know, and a lot of times things I talk about people, they're free, you know, stress reduction, breathing exercises, meditation, right. cold showers. Those are all free things. Um, you mm-hmm. know, getting outside in sunshine, that's free being around loved yeah. ones. That's free. You know, it's it's a lot of stuff that you can do that it doesn't take much effort and time and money, um, but it has a huge impact on overall health. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I digress a little bit, but money does kind of control everything here. Um, so it does come yeah. back to that. And, you know, it, big pharma controls a lot of the things that goes into even the, the, the education that medical doctors are getting nowadays. Um, so if we could get away from that and just focus on, you know, real healing the way it should be. Um, that's going to have a huge impact on a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, that's an interesting um, point that you bring up about the education in the medical system. I know that um, in terms of nutrition and food as medicine, it's not, um, I don't think that the, in medical school, that that actually is a large part of the education. I'm not sure what the number of hours is, but I remember reading something and I don't want to misquote it, but it was really low in terms, I know that as a health coach, I received, you know, much more education in terms of um, nutrition and food as medicine. Do you see that changing at all? Or do you see any doctors, I don't know if you're talking to any doctors or ever collaborate with them where they are seeking to learn more?
0: Yes and no. Um, the answer is kind of go back four hours is what medical doctors get in terms of um, nutrition training. So four years okay. of school and you get four hours. What can you tell a patient yeah. in that kind of thing? You know, you don't get enough education yeah. to educate somebody on that. Um, mm-hmm. I think there is starting to be a little bit more of a shift. Um, I think some of these younger doctors that are coming out now are definitely more in tune with, hey, diet does play an impact on this. You know, if you eat less inflammatory foods, you're going to recover from a surgery better or you're going to have less chance of heart disease. So I think there is start, you're starting to see a shift. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's just really slow. Um, you know yeah. you get you ask some of these old school doctors if diet has any kind of role in disease and they're still going to tell you no which is insane to me right um but yeah I, I, at slow shifts but probably not fast enough not not enough of mm-hmm. what we need
1: yeah. But it's interesting because I think you mentioned at the beginning that you were seeing patients and you wanted to be able to treat them holistically and you started seeing things beyond what they were originally coming to you. And I know Dr. Mark Hyman started the same way. Dr. Andrew Weil, you know, there's so many medical doctors who then were realized that they weren't able to treat their parent their patients or they weren't necessarily getting better. But um it's still a little bit slow. Cause I don't, I know that the, the cur- curriculum has not changed necessarily uh, to keep up with maybe the demands there. Yeah. 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 Um, so we talked about what you what drives you and what you're optimistic about anything that really concerns you in terms of things that people should really take a look at right now and make some changes in their life.
0: Um, ooh.
1: Well, you mentioned cool. autoimmune. So I know that that continues to increase with no real treatment, right? I mean, that's kind of the point of autoimmune is the definition is that the body is attacking itself, Correct. which is not natural.
0: No, no. What was the question again? Can you repeat that one more time? I'll make sure. I'm yeah,
1: better. just if there's anything that um, that really has you concerned that you want to make sure that whoever is listening says, you know what, maybe I will take this a little bit more seriously and either look at the toxins in my makeup or get a water filtration system because the water supply, you know, if you had to pick maybe the top three things that people could do today, uh, what would you recommend that that be?
0: Yeah. um, So top, so one, I would say, you know, eating a diet that's full of whole foods, things that aren't processed that comes out of a can or a box. I think that's one easy step to take. Um, Mm. You know, to go further with that, if you want to, do it organic. Yeah, that'd be even better, but at least starting with real whole foods. I think that's the most important thing. Um, you know, what's at the end of your forks going to impact your health the most. So what are you eating on a day-to-day basis? Um, you know, I think it's okay to have some cheap meals here, here and there. I'm not perfect. I don't think anybody should be perfect. Um, I always mm-hmm. like to use like the 80, 20 principle with people. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think food is the number one thing that people need to look at and figure out, Hey, what am I actually putting in my body? What is it doing to my body? Because food is information. Everything you eat is going to turn into information in your body. So, if you give your body real whole ingredients, it's going to give you better health outcomes. If you feed it junk, you're going to feel like crap. That's that's mm-hmm. that. There's a science there to prove it. There's no arguing that. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Number two, I think again, kind of going back to the whole water thing. Um, I think you know, 74% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. Um, so it's a huge number. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So, and I've heard various things, you know, I think that the standard has always been, oh, 64 ounces, but then I've also, um, studied that actually half your body weight, um, in ounces. So what, what do you usually tell your clients? Like what's a good range?
0: Yeah, I, I tell people, so half your body weight's always been a good, like kind of gauge. Um, but I Mm -hmm. like my, my patients to have at least like three clear urinations a day. So when you pee, you, you should see it nice and clear. You shouldn't have maybe a little bit of a yellow tint to it, but you shouldn't have that dark yellow mm-hmm. color. Um, right. So you, know, you want to have one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening of nice, clear, clear peas. If you're going a lot more than that, you're having, you know, six, seven, that means mm-hmm. you're drinking too much. Um, and everybody's okay. different. Some people, some people can handle, you know, a hundred ounces. Some people can only handle 20 ounces of water. It just depends. Um, but Oh my gosh, I didn't know that.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think water intake is huge and it's something that's often overlooked. And again, kind of going back to that, it doesn't cost anything. Water so readily available to everybody, um, but it is a huge, huge component that's often missed.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the other things you mentioned was um, just getting outside and getting fresh sunlight. Cause we haven't talked about, uh, we've talked a lot about nutrition. We've talked about toxins and water supply and some of those things, but we actually, most people think about, um, health as tied to maybe a number on the scale or the way they fit in their clothes. And so they think about exercise and heavy exercise. So what would you say in terms of what, um, what do you need to maintain proper health versus, um, maybe what we're taught that we need in terms of exercise daily?
0: Yeah, I I think you need, in terms of exercise, I think you need like a fine balance, right? You don't have to go to the gym five days a week and work out and, 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 you know, lift heavy weights. Um, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, walking is a form of exercise, yoga is a form of exercise. There's so many different things out there you can do. Um, it doesn't have to be weightlifting. Now, weightlifting is one of the best things as we age, um, uh, especially, you know, maintaining muscle mass. We do lose muscle mass as we get older. Um, but you don't have to go to the gym and, and work out, you know, like a meathead, like most people think you have to do. Um, but yeah, I, I, th- I think exercise comes in all different forms. Um, you know, biking, hiking, all those things. Um. So I tell people, you know, tr- just try to do something on a daily basis to move your body. Yeah. A lot of us sit at a desk for eight hours. Um, we don't move mm-hmm. enough. We go f- from work to home to sit at the-, the couch and watch four hours of TV, then we go to bed. So um, right. something something easy to just move your, your body on a daily basis. That's an easy place to start to make sure you're getting some kind of exercise mm-hmm. in your life.
1: Absolutely. And I always tell clients to do it. out. If you can go outside, you're getting your sun sunshine at the same time. You're getting some fresh air helps from a stress reduction perspective, too. Um, So let's talk a little bit about things that maybe as we start to age, things that start happening. And so I know you see a lot of female clients. So do you have female clients that come to you maybe with some hormone challenges um, as they're either entering perimenopause or menopause and, you know what are some advice or things that we could do if we're in that stage of life?
0: Yeah. So again, you guys have it a lot harder than us males. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, menopause, obviously it's, it's something you can't stop, right. As a female, it's going to happen. No, it's just a matter of when. Um, so there's a lot of things you can do to help support that from a natural standpoint. There's a lot of good herbs out there um, that can help with, you know, like the night sweats is a big one. that A lot of females tend to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes cramping is another big one. Um, so certain certain um, um, herbal products are great. Black cohosh is really good. Um, there's something called cramp bark, which is another herb that's very good. Um, so again, you can't stop these things, but you can at least support the systems as you're going through these changes. That way, it makes it easier for you. Um, now, in terms of you know the sexual desire, sometimes drop too as you stop producing estrogen when you go through the menopause cycle. There, so. Um, there's certain foods that can actually increase that, um, yams are a great source of natural estrogen. So you can bump that back up. Um, so starting increasing more yams in your life, you know, a couple times a week. Um, you know, it, it, when you get older too, this is male and female, as I kind of mentioned, you start to lose muscle mass. Um, so that's where, yeah. you know, some, some weight bearing exercise comes in there too, to help out, um, cogn- cognitively, we start to decline a little bit too. Um, so a lot of mm-hmm. good protein in your diet. <laughs> older, especially with the age of 75, is extremely important. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's yeah. all kinds of stuff to do. But again, we often neglect these things. Um, and I often find <laughs> people, when people retire, you know, they go from being so active and then they go to sit on a couch all day. So that would be mm-hmm. going back to, you know, making sure you're getting some kind of exercise or daily movement into your routine, um, having that good community, getting out with friends and family, seeing loved ones so you're not in your house all day, um, getting out in the sunshine, things like that.
1: Yeah, gosh. And the other thing that came to mind for me is just getting older, you talked about cognitive um, decline. And I know we start to lose gray matter. And that's where things like meditation are very helpful, because you can actually reverse some of that loss. But are there things, um, foods that we should be aware of, either things that we should add, or maybe things we should remove from our diet for dementia and Alzheimer's, um, that, you know, kind of keeps us sharper, longer, and maybe slows down those illnesses?
0: Yeah, um, so from foods to add in, uh, definitely your omegas, so omega-3s, which are your fat. Those are the good fats, so they come from you know, salmon, avocados, nuts, and seeds. Um, you can also take this in supplement yeah. form, too. That's one of the biggest ones. Your brain's mostly fat, so um, you want to make sure you're giving it plenty of fat, especially as you age. Um, antioxidants are also very important, so blueberries, strawberries, those are really good sources of antioxidants. help fight off free radical damage in the brain um, from what to take away. Um, they're calling dementia Alzheimer's now they're calling it type three diabetes. So sugar
1: is
0: one of the worst worst things for the brain, um, directly decreases the gray matter that you mentioned, um, Mm -hmm. stops those neurological inputs from firing the way that they should. So sugar is definitely one thing you want to try to stay away from, or at least limit how much you're having, um, on a weekly and monthly basis. Um, that's the first food any company comes to my office that has Alzheimer's dementia. That's the first food we take out. You got to get off the sugar because um, it is just so inflammatory for the body. Um, and then the last you know, kind of food to take away is just processed stuff, um, yeah. the stuff we shouldn't have. So the, the bad fats in there, the bad oils that are in there, um, which are mostly you know found in your processed foods. Those are other things you want to stay away from because they are very inflammatory.
1: Yeah. I mean, sugar, I think Dr. Mark Hyman, he says sugars is like treat it like a recreational drug. I mean, it's really bad for you. There's absolutely zero benefit. It's going to wreak havoc on your body. You're going to have a chemical response to it. So if you use it, just be aware of it. And um, it's interesting because I think most people aren't aware of the added sugars in their everyday food. So if you look at, you know, I always tell people, if you're drinking milk, look at the amount of sugar in just milk versus like a little bit of cream that, you know, or Greek, plain Greek yogurt versus the stuff with the fruit on the bottom that has all those sugars in it or tomato sauces, like salad dressings. There's so many things where if you just learn to read the labels, you would realize you're eating so many grams of sugar a day that you're probably not even aware of. Right, right. And the
0: food industry is not dumb. They, they add sugar to these foods for a reason. Right. Sugar is very addicting. Yeah. It's it's you look at brain scans, it's actually more addicting than, than cocaine and, and heroin, um, which is even scarier. Yeah. So um these these, you know, food engineers that design foods and food products, they know exactly what they're doing. They're putting enough in there because they want you to become addicted to the foods. So you keep eating them, you keep buying them. Um so yeah, yeah. sugar, it's there are sugars and foods that you would be surprised. I mean, sometimes you pick a bottle of water and there's sugar added to it. It's like, why is there sugar in a bottle of water? Shouldn't this just be water? It's 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 scary. Right.
1: Yeah, it's one way to drink more, I suppose. (laughs) Um, I I do think I do like a square of 85% dark chocolate. And I do think that is medicinal. Okay, I hope you agree agree with me on this one. I do.
0: No, no, I do. I do. Yeah, when it comes to chocolate, the darker, the better. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. I just need a little bit to go a long way. So what about alcohol? So um, alcohol, I think it's very... Uh, accepted. It's very social. I actually read something recently where they said that alcohol is the only drug where people question why you, if you choose to abstain and you don't choose to consume alcohol, people are like, why, what's the reasoning versus, you know, any other drug. So, um, and there is still a movement that of uh, people who are sober curious, or maybe are starting to experiment with not consuming as much alcohol. Do you see that shifting? And what is the tie to alcohol and maybe just optimal health overall?
0: Yeah, no, I definitely, I, I think you are seeing a, a big movement with with the alcohol. I think a lot of people are trying to avoid it and stay away from it. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: There is no health benefit to alcohol. I don't care who's going to tell you otherwise. There, there isn't. Um, you know, wine does have some antioxidants in them, but the, the inflammation that's created doesn't outweigh the benefits. Um, mm-hmm. So, alcohol is very inflammatory um, for especially for the brain. Uh, it actually shuts down certain areas of the brain, which is why you get drunk and you make dumb decisions you know, long-term <laughs> that, can, that can lead to permanent damage, especially if you're a chronic user.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's, and, and you're right, it is such a social thing that, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, even throughout the course of the week, you know, everywhere you go, every dinner, it's yeah. kind of like, you're the weirdo if you don't have a drink. Um, right. Yeah, I think, I think there is a big movement now where you're seeing a, people drinking at least a lot less than what they used to um mm-hmm. you know it's like here in ohio winter's coming and there's nothing else to do except for go to the bar or hang out with friends so i think you see especially as the shift of the season around the holidays you see alcohol yeah. consumption even more um mm-hmm. but yeah there is no health benefit to it and um i'm not going to act like i don't consume it from time to time because i do but um there there is you know again from a health standpoint you're not getting any any kind of benefit there
1: Yeah, no judgment. I mean, I think it's definitely something that I've been looking at for myself too, because um, I love red wine. And it's interesting because you study the blue zones and you can say, oh, they consume a lot of red wine and people will drink it. But even the production of the of wine the way it's produced in other countries definitely more organic doesn't have added sulfites etc so it's not the same thing having a glass of wine from Napa here versus even from an alcohol content perspective percentage wise as to maybe what you would get in Europe
0: yep yep and, and too if you yeah. look at there's there's a lot of studies that have come out so you take california wines 90 Ninety eight or ninety nine percent of those had hints of glyph, uh, uh the uh, glyphosate in there, which is your Roundup. So oh on top gosh. of that, you know you're getting the alcohol, and then you're getting the herbicides that come with it, and that's creating even further damage in the body. So, yeah, and again, that's banned other countries. So you know, there's kind of that yeah. two fold thing there as well.
1: Okay. We have to make sure we do not end on a depressing note. We need to share some good news. (laughs) I'm ready to go clean my cupboards out. Um, No, I, I think that the message, the good news is that we can make, I think, many choices that you said that we can look at is look at our food supply, look at what we're consuming, eat healthier Make sure we're hydrated, go outside, move our body. These are absolutely things that, if we started doing them and created them as a healthy habit, we'd start to feel better. And um, if people don't, we're definitely going to include in the show notes ways that they can follow you because you have such great content. You're so generous with the content that you provide. And um, I have attended one of your group coaching classes, which I've loved and learned so much around all these topics, which is great. So, I'm sure that, um, anything that you offer will be available on your website, but I do ask everyone, um, every guest on the show, um, it's tied to the title of the show, which is live the width of your life. So what does it mean to you to live the width of your life?
0: That's another great question. Um, you know, I, I think really slowing down and looking at your life and appreciating what you do have. Um, number one, I think it's, it's kind of part of it. Um. You know, I, I try to take every day, you know, I try not to take every day for granted because you never know when tomorrow's you, your, your day is going to end. Right? It could be any time. You could walk across yeah. the street and something could happen to you. Um, so I think the biggest thing is is you know realizing that we have it pretty good here in America. You know, we there's so many things we again we take for granted, whether it's just having a roof overhead or clothes on our body or food and you know food to be able to eat. Um, so I, I, I think a lot of people need to realize that there's so much out there to be grateful for. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, spending you know even two minutes in the morning and realize, you know, do some gratitude, whether it's writing it down or just Mm -hmm. say, I'm thankful for these five things a day. Um, I think that goes a long way. And it would make people appreciate life on earth a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. probably reduce a lot of stress and anxiety to it that we have. Um, But, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, just really slowing down, appreciating the small things, um, you know, appreciating the change in seasons that's happening right now, um, just yeah. not taking a day for granted. Because, again, you never know yeah. what tomorrow is going to look like for you. And um, so, being around loved ones, being around people you appreciate, I think that's a big thing, too. Um, spending time with them, because, you know, life's not promised to anybody, it could be taken away really, really quickly. So, um, I think I think, yeah, just slowing down, appreciating what you have, appreciating what's going on around you, um not taking things for granted,
1: oh, I love that, I love that, and. You're right. Gratitude is so important and it just changes perspective. It just shifts everything when you start your day and your end end your day in gratitude. I want to thank you. I'm grateful for you for coming on, for sharing so much. Um, grateful for what you put out into the world. I know that this is a personal passion and mission for you. And so we'll um, definitely include all the ways that we can um, support you. And um, I will ask you, is there what's the best way that we can support you?
0: Um yeah, I mean, a follow is always a great thing. I, I, I try again, try to put out as much information out there. So, on Instagram, follow me. Um, I think you'll get a lot of you know good health tips, things that you can start incorporating into your life pretty quickly. Um, you know, if you want to support me in the movement, eat healthier, eat cleaner, reduce your toxins. Um, but <laughs> yeah. no, I think a good follow again because i try tried to put out as much information out there as I can. So um, that's a good place to at least start.
1: Absolutely. We'll make it easy for folks to be able to do it. Thank you, Dr. Sorelli for joining me today and continued good luck. And, uh, I will update you on my progress of all the things that we talked about today.
0: Awesome. Good. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Of course. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired to finally take courageous action on a personal, professional goal that has been on your heart for some time, then follow this podcast because every week we'll have intimate, authentic conversations with guests who have redefined success, created healthy new habits to support optimal health, and finally release the stories and limiting beliefs that kept them stuck in a life they didn't love. If you want to start or grow deeper in your own transformation journey, then I am happy to answer questions on a one on one 30-minute transformation strategy call at no cost to you. Head onto my website to book your slot today, and I will see you next time.